0: This honey
1: Would you go ahead and stand up? Today we sing and we talk about the belief that we have and what God can do and will do. Believe that today, all right? Let's listen to Him.
2: My name is Alethea Hamilton. I am the communications director here at Cap City, or as I'm better known, I'm Doc's favorite child, despite what my younger brother would say, okay? So you can either dress me as Alethea or Doc's favorite, which either is fine. I have a couple announcements for you this morning. The first one is Trunk or Treat is quickly approaching, and we need help. We need lots of help. It usually takes between 100 and 150 volunteers to pull this off every year, and we still have a whole lot of spaces to fill. So if you guys don't mind, either going to capcity.info or the Church Center app on your smartphone or your tablet and just sign up to volunteer. We have spaces and jobs for everyone, from passing out candy to working inflatables. So, And you'll be able to find something that you would enjoy doing. The other part of it is we need lots of candy. And so if you don't mind grabbing a bag of two of candy at Kroger, dropping it by the office, the staff will go through and grab the good stuff, and the rest of it will pass out on Halloween to all the kids. Okay? Works out great for everybody. All right, second one. We have a tech yard sale coming up. So if you have cables, phone bits, old phones, computer screens, whatever, that you don't know what to do with, you bring them by here on Saturday from 9 to 12 in the main lobby. We'll try to find them a good home. Or if you are a hacker and you're living out your dream and you need just one piece left, come and check it out and see if we've got something that you're looking for, okay? The third announcement is um, American Cancer Society is hosting Relay for Life here, Saturday the 22nd, and it's from 5 to 10, and if you would like to participate in that event, you can go to their website and register with them, okay? Now, one of my favorite things to do is manipulating pictures, and when I started working as communication director here at the church, I learned everything I know from YouTube, okay? That was my go-to source. And I love playing with things, altering things, and seeing what I can make of them. So this morning, I want to show you a couple of my designs using my unknowing model, Ben Webb. Yep, there he is. See? Now, one of the most important decisions that Ben and his family are going to have to make when moving to Kentucky is which team they're going to root for. Right? He will tell you he's a Texas fan. I wanted him to see how good he would look in blue and white. So... I put him in Rupp Arena. There he is, see? He looks good, right? Real good. The other part about being a Texas fan, and I don't know how he even got the job of associate minister because he is not a Cowboys fan, but if you go in his office, he has a Texas flag. I just wanted to see what it would look like with a Cowboy flag behind him. Okay, not bad, right? Some of you wouldn't agree with that decision, but as a Patterson, I think it's the right thing to do. All right. The third and last thing I want to show you is if Ben is going to take over as the senior minister here at Cap City in three years, he has to get used to the idea of hair loss, right? (laughs) So I wanted to show Ben what he would look like in three years as senior minister here at Cap City. too bad but i don't have to live with them christina does so we'll have to see what happens it's really fun playing with filters and a lot of people use them these days you don't have a single picture posted to social media that hasn't been altered and changed in some way and our next series that we're doing is called unfiltered it's based on a book by randy Frazy called believe and we're going to take a look at god and our faith completely unfiltered all right we're going to be raw real and authentic in what we see and so if you please ride with me and continue worshiping our god
3: i stories that prove your faithfulness seen miracles my mind can comprehend and There is beauty in what I can't understand. Jesus it's you Jesus it's you the miracles I've seen, too good to not believe, you're the wonder-working God, and you heal because you love, all the miracles we'll see.
1: you're here right now as you promised us.
3: you are the one that's in the Bible. We believe
1: that you are the only true God no matter what the world says. We will choose to believe in you, believe that you, you're the one that can give us what we need. And as a church as a family father, we put you first.
3: We call on your spirit in this place. I'm calling on the Holy Spirit, Mighty river, come and fill me again. Say that again. Come and fill me again. One more time to say it loud. Come and fill. Me
1: Who is
2: God? Who is God? The loaded question. Mm. God is a
4: character in a book. God is an idea. How do we know that 어딘가에 존재한다고 생각합니다 그래서
0: 우리가 지금 이렇게 어 살고 있지 않을까요
3: Book jest dla mnie postacią fikcyjną. Nobody is missing
0: People just want something or some person to have faith in so that they can survive.
2: And that's why they created God. God is nobody.
4: I hope that God uh, someone is someone with a great heart. Uh, but I don't know if he exists. God doesn't mean anything for me.
3: No, I am not know if God is God is anything we want
1: he,
2: she, it to be, I suppose. He's
1: everywhere, or she, or it. There's
2: a one God, but they have a lot of forms in all of their religions. For me, uh, according to my, my belief, Allah, the creator for muslim people but he is the same god for all of us actually
0: there is just one god and all the gods in our different religions like jesus uh, ganesh ji krishna ji they're just branches of him we just like basically we have to see some image to cre- we just need some image to create in our minds
4: nei money di man tai shen bian gua qi hai you yi yi ge ren
0: o feels <laughs> en 1 sin 12 ya katikun olix ton olibo
2: no es un ser humano no es un animal no sabemos que
0: es o dios sine
2: dificil imaginar esse mundo inteiro é him
4: yeah he's you could replace god with the word love for example
2: God is love. God is
4: light. The God in me, the God in you, the God in the trees, the flowers. Alto espiritual, mas é mais vivo que o carnal.
1: É aquilo que alimenta, que dá força
3: a cada um dos a cómo
4: For he is God the Almighty. Amen. Morning. Unfiltered. That's where we're going to be for the next bit. It's a world where it's going to be maybe a little tougher to be a Christian. So what is it that we stand for? What do we believe right down at its core? What's the most basic that makes us Jesus followers? That's where we're going. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you guide us. Pray that you give us sharp minds and soft hearts. We love you dearly, and we want to honor you. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. So I found some pictures of God. I guess these kids were asked to draw what they figure God looks like. And these are pictures of what they came up with. Are you ready? Here is Cameron. He's six years old. He says God is capable of anything. And here's his description. God's got an invisible head, which is why you can't see him. All right? He floats in a garden. One side of the garden's one night. The other side is day. God sees butterflies and owls. And here's the part I really like. He says God rides a motorcycle, but he's playing hockey in Pasadena right now. God can do anything here's Remy age seven he says God's inside of you I mean we've said that right God is inside of you he says God lives inside every living thing so my doctor has seen God whenever he cuts people open makes sense here's Brandon age eight God is a superhero with rad hair he says I wish God could give radioactive powers so do I wouldn't that be cool Here's Gabby, age nine. She's pretty sharp. She says, God is a bearded guy with really big ears. He has to have those big ears so he can hear everything that we're saying, all right? Here's Kelly. She's nine. God is a 24-7 helper. She figures God doesn't sleep because he watches over us all of the time. I really like it because Santa Claus is right up top there on the North Pole, right, and all of the people that he's watching over. Here's Michaela, she's 11. This is one that you'd never have thought of 20 years ago if you were a kid. God is at his cloud desk, right? You see, God has access to this super advanced cloud technology. So you didn't know you were communicating with God whenever you sent stuff to the cloud, right? Olivia, age 12, this is great. God is a lightning thrower with a cheesy grin. Whenever God gets mad, he lets thunder out and throws lightning around. I've seen God get really ticked, right? And here's the last one, which is how a lot of people picture God, although I don't think she came up with it on her own. I think someone had to coach her on this one. God is theory. She says, I believe God is just a theory of the human mind. God lives wherever you imagine. He wears whatever you imagine. He can't change the past, present, or future. To believe in God, you have to imagine. God is anything you can imagine. And he's certainly not male or female. Well, she's at least got the last part right. Now, these kids have an excuse for their fantasies about God. They're kids. What's our excuse? Because the pictures of God that people have out there are all over the map, aren't they? Because those really are the two biggest questions ever. Is there a God? And what's he like? If so, what do you think? Is there a God? And what's he like? Now, we spent the first five months of this year laying out a case for God. In fact, a case for the big G God revealed to us in and through Jesus. And it's a powerful case. In fact, I made the case that it takes more faith to be an atheist than it does to believe in God. The God revealed in and through Jesus. But bottom line, I can't prove it to you. And you can't prove to me that he's not there. But the evidence for God is way stronger than the evidence against. Nevertheless, there are four kinds of people when it comes to God, right? You got your atheists. Growing number of atheists. Which I think are the most illogical people when it comes to God. I mean, an atheist is going to tell you there is no God. Well, how do they know? It's really, really hard to prove a negative, especially when it comes to God. I suppose it makes a little more sense, a little more logic to be an agnostic. An agnostic is a person who says, I don't know, maybe there's a God, maybe not. But some people are agnostics simply because they don't care. Why bother to examine the evidence? Why bother to think it through if you don't care whether there's a God or not? And some people are agnostics because they don't want a God. I mean, even if the evidence is overwhelming, they're going to look for that one little thing that can justify their doubt. If you're an agnostic, do you really want to know if there is a big G God? And then you've got some of the theists who are kind of like, yeah, God makes sense. There had to be something out there that got this whole thing started. But some of them are kind of like, well, how do you know what he's like? What makes your God any better than my God? How do you know which God is the rightest? I just made up that word, but I like it. And a lot of theists think it's perfectly good just to be spiritual. It doesn't matter what you believe, just be spiritual, because there's got to be a lot of roads to heaven, right? And then there's us Jesus followers. People who think that there really is a big G God who revealed himself to us, especially in and through Jesus. And we don't think you get to morph God into whatever you want him to be. We think the real God can only be known if he reveals himself to us somehow. And we think he did that in Jesus. And we think Jesus cinched that case when he predicted that he was going to beat death. And then he walks out of the tomb three days after he dies. Because listen, guys, if a guy who's about to be crucified tells you, I'll be back, and he pulls it off, I'd listen to him. So we believe there's a big G God, and we think that matters hugely. Now, even though atheism is growing, still the vast majority of us Americans still believe in a God. Gallup did a poll just four months ago. The question was, do you believe in God? 81% answered, yeah. Now, 81% is a new low, but that's still four out of five. But it doesn't answer what kind of God. Four years ago, pure research came up with these numbers. 80% of us believe in God, about 90% if you include those who believe any kind of a spiritual force or higher power. But only 56% of us Americans believe in the God described in the Bible. At least they say they believe in the God described in the Bible. Because bottom line, our ideas about God are all over the map. And I don't know whether you're going to buy this yet, but listen, guys. If you believe in a make-believe God, it's not going to do you any good. If it's not the real God, it's not going to help you. It's just going to mess you up. And people believe the weirdest things about God. I and mean, some people think God is something like the force. He's just kind of out there, neither good nor bad just a mysterious force that you can tap into. Just think Star Wars, right? Others think that God is a crotchety old man, waves his cane at us now and then, but he's feeble, he's toothless, impotent. And who cares? You don't need to pay him much attention. Other people think, well, maybe he's not toothless, but he's still a bit of a jerk, right? He's up there looking down, for folks who might be having fun, so someday he's going to make them regret it. Others think that everything is God. You're God, I'm God, the chair you're sitting on is God, rocks, trees. And if that's so, he's a puny God, guys. Others think that God is a doting grandfather, right? God just loves his kids and grandkids, no rules, just right. Someday he's going to let us all in except maybe the very worst of the worst. Others think, well, if there's a God, he must be kind of like an absentee father, like a lot of these dads today. God created us, and then he just went off on his own way, and it's up to us to make our own way in this world. The fact that there is a God doesn't matter much, practically. They can't all be right. Bottom line, most people kind of morph God into whatever the kind of God is that they want him to be. fact for a lot of people God is just like me but on steroids right perfect me and who's to say they're wrong who's to say that your God is any more right than my God right what gives us Jesus followers the right to think that our God is the right one and their God is messed up see most people try to figure out God by themselves They figure we've got this incredible brain that can figure God out. That's humor, right? Because listen, guys, if there really is a God, a big G God, he's not going to fit into your brain. And we use these incredible hearts of ours, our feelings, to figure out what God must be like. Again, that's humor. If there's a big G God, he's not going to follow the dictates of our fickle feelings Fact is, a real big G God is too big for us to figure out up here and too complex for us to figure out here. In fact, if there is a big G God, if Jesus was right about the kind of God he is, the only way to understand him is to shut up and listen, not to me, but to him. You're not going to think your way to God. You're not going to feel your way to God. You're not going to put God in a test tube. You're not going to snap your fingers and examine him, demand that he explain himself to you. The only way you're going to get to know God is to shut up and listen. Because the only way to know the real big G God is to pay attention when he shows himself, which he does. In fact, that's what the Bible's all about. You see, we Jesus followers think that God was revealing himself to us primarily in Jesus. And if Jesus was right, it blows away any other notion of God that any person can come up with. Listen, guys, this is important. If Jesus was right, the debate about God is over. When a guy who's dying on a cross tells you, I'll be back, and he pulls it off, then I'd listen to him. So, let's look at what the Bible says about God. The God revealed to us in and through Jesus. We're going to start here. The Bible never tries to make a case for God. Did you know that? You know why? Because there was no one in that world who was making a case against some kind of God. Most everybody figured there had to be some kind of God. The guys who wrote the Bible, they're not trying to convince people there's a God. They're just trying to clarify who He really is, what He's really like. It's right there in the opening words of Genesis. Doesn't explain it, it just says, In the beginning, God. In the beginning, not His beginning and our beginning, there's this God who created everything else that there is. Something, someone had to get it all started. That had to be God. Apostle Paul put it like this, he says they know the truth about God, we know the truth about God, because he's made it clear to us, because ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky and through what God has made, we have glimpsed the invisible qualities of a God, his eternal power, his divine nature, so none of us has an excuse for not knowing God. Paul says open your eyes, open your ears, open your minds, you can see God's fingerprints everywhere. King David put it like this he says only fools say in their hearts there is no God and in that world there were not going to be many people who try to push back kind of a no-brainer that there's a God the question is which one which God because people back then were about as messed up as people are today and if there really is a big G God and you diss him you got a problem right so what does the real God reveal about himself? How do He do it all the way from Abraham to Jesus? Here's kind of what it tells us. Ten things about the big G God. Every one of them will make a difference in your life. You ready? Number one, God is one. Just one God. Maybe the most important verse in the whole Old Testament for the Jews is Deuteronomy 6.4. Right? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. One God. It's foundational. There's one God, just one. Isaiah says, I'm God, there is no other. You don't get your own. Jesus, the Lord is our God. He is the one and only Lord. Now, do you understand what that means? It means if there's one God, then the rest are not. Right? Right? It means we don't get to make up our own God. You don't get to make up your own God. It means you don't get to morph God in anything you want Him to be. We can't create a God who meets our needs. It means there's one God, just one, and you're not it, right? Number two, that one God is eternal. The real God, the big G God, is the only thing that does not grow older with time. Bible says, before the mountains were created, before you made the earth and the world, you are. You are God. You're without beginning, you're without end. Book of Revelation, God says, I'm the one who is, always was, who is still to come. God is eternal. That's hard for us to get, but it only makes sense. You see, there has to be someone who is eternal for all of us who are not eternal just to exist. In fact, the closest we can come to a name for God in the Bible is a word that they never pronounced in Old Testament times, just four letters, Y-H-W-H, a word so holy that in the Old Testament times, they thought if you even pronounced it, you committed blasphemy and you should be executed. It was worthy of death, they thought. We're not positive what Yahweh means, but it probably means something like this. The one who just is, right? Maybe the one who causes everything else to be, but it carries a sense of eternity. This is the one, the only one, with no beginning and no end, Yahweh, everlasting God. So that's where you start. There's one God, rest aren't, and he's eternal. That should be enough to start blowing your minds. Bible's just getting started. We've got these three big O's, the omnis. Here's number three. God is omnipotent, which means God is omnipotent, all powerful. It means there's no weakness in God at all. There's no limit to his power. There is nothing doable that God can't do. Now, I know people play stupid little games like Well, if God can do anything, can he make a rock so big that he can't lift it? And with an absurd question, they figure they've got God in a box, which is about as dumb as a brick. God isn't going to do something that's logically impossible. In fact, he's not going to do anything that violates his own character. God can't sin. What omnipotence means is that there is no limit to God's power. There is nothing doable that God cannot do. God says, I'm the Lord. Anything too hard for me? The answer is no. Of course not. An angel says, nothing's impossible with God. Now, do you know what omnipotence means for you personally? It means that, well, it doesn't mean that everything that happens in your life has been predetermined by God. It doesn't mean that God forces himself on everything around him. He could. An insecure God might force himself on us. But God's omnipotence does not preclude your freedom. It does mean that when God says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. There's nothing that can stop him. When God tells us how this world is going to end, you can count on it. When God tells you what he can do for you, you can bet your life on it. It means that God can handle any of our problems His way. It means that you're never going to face a problem bigger than God can handle. You're never going to have to face anything beyond His ability, His resources, His power to handle. The Bible says this same God who takes care of me is going to supply all your needs His way. An omnipotent God can do that. The Bible says God can accomplish infinitely more than we could ever dare to ask or even hope. An omnipotent God can do that. Number four, God is omniscient, omniscient. Another one of our big O words for God. It means he knows everything. God knows everything knowable. It means you're never going to keep a secret from God. Never been a tear in your eye that God hasn't seen. There's never been an ache in your joints that God doesn't understand. It also means that you've never done anything, good or bad, big or small, that God isn't aware of. Now, if God didn't love us, that'd be a real problem, right? Bible says God carefully watches over the way people live. He sees everything we do. There is no darkness that's thick enough to hide the wicked from his eyes. Bible says, O Lord, you have examined my heart. You know everything about me, everything. Everything. You know, when I sit down, stand up, you know my every thought. When far away, you chart the path ahead of me. You tell me where to stop and rest. Every moment, you know where I am. It goes on. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You precede me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. This knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to know. And I know sometimes we close our eyes and pretend God can't see us. We turn our backs and pretend God can't see us. There are times when we don't see God, but he always sees us, and he always understands us. Number five, God is omnipresent. Omnipresent. The last of the big old words about God. He's omnipotent. He can do anything doable. He's omniscient. He knows everything knowable. And he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. There's nowhere that God is not. There is no atomic particle anywhere that God is not around. There is no galaxy in this universe so big that God doesn't envelop it. It does not mean that everything is God. No part of creation is God. It means God is everywhere. It means he's here with us in this room right now. The Bible says I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go to the place of the dead, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand is going to guide me and your strength is going to support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in the darkness, I can't hide from you, God. Some of you guys might read that and think it's a threat. I can never get away from this, God. It's not. It means God is always available. It means that God is always accessible. He's not an absentee God. The Bible says he's not far from any one of us. No kidding. And to have a God that powerful and so loving, so close, that's cool. Well, let's see where we are so far. God is one, just one. And he's eternal. No beginning, no end. Those are huge. Gets huger. The real God can do anything doable. He knows everything that's knowable, and He's everywhere. But there's more, right? Number six, this one's immense. A lot of people don't get this. God is transcendent. That means God transcends. He transcends creation. That means God is not part of creation. He's not creature. Everything else is creature. God is not part of this world. Listen, guys, if this whole universe were to disappear, God would still be there, undiminished. It also means you can't see God. God doesn't have a physical body like we do. You can't touch God. You can't question God unless he chooses to reveal himself to you in some fashion. If and when and how he chooses. Because he's transcendent. Here's what else it means if you think about it. We need God, guys. He doesn't need us. He's transcendent. We need to worship God, guys. We do. He doesn't need our worship. He doesn't need our praise. He's transcendent. He is not dependent on us in any way. He is self-sufficient because He's God. And we're not. However, number seven... God is imminent too. That's a word that we use about God when we talk about transcendent. He's transcendent, and yet he's still imminent. It means though, even though God is not part of creation, he's always working on it. He's always sustaining it. He holds it together. He's always tinkering with it. God is here. Bible says he holds all creation together. It says he sustains the universe by the mighty power of his command. And guys, we believe that. Fact is, God doesn't need us. But if God took his hand away, we'd be in trouble. Because we need him. It also means that God is not an absentee God like some dads. Some people think God is remote, uncaring, maybe oblivious. Not the real God. The big G God revealed to us in and through Jesus. Jesus. Now, he's all this stuff. He's one. He's eternal. He can do anything doable. He knows everything noble. He's everywhere. He's transcendent. He's imminent. And we haven't talked yet about how he interacts with us. Three more. God is good. There's another word for that that they use in the Bible. It says God is holy. God is holy. It says that a lot. God says you have to be holy because I'm Holy. You're my creature. Isaiah describes the angels who are in the presence of God. They say over and over and over again, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. All the way through the scriptures, you can see God called the Holy One. You know what that means? It means he's perfect. If he were to change, he'd be less than perfect. He's pure. He's absolute goodness. He's untainted by anything that is sinful or petty. And do you know what that means for you? It means that God is never going to be capricious. He's never going to be fickle. He's never going to be petty. That also means that you will come to understand goodness when you come to understand God. You see, what is right is defined by what is godly, godlike. We don't get to make the rules. We don't get to choose our own moral values. We don't get to decide what's right and wrong for ourselves. Right is whatever is consistent with the character of God because He's perfect. Wrong is whatever is inconsistent with, violates the character of God because God is holy. If you want to live a good life, a holy life, do life with God, for God, God's way. Number nine, God is loving. The truth that God is holy would be terrifying without this one. See, God is not some impersonal spiritual force out there. God loves you madly. God is not some angry old judge up there waiting to mess for you to mess up so he can throw some lightning down on you. God cares. The Bible says that God is love. Not that he has love. It says that he is love, which means that God will never stop loving you because He's love. It means that there's nothing that you ever, have ever done that'll make God stop loving you. There's nothing that you could ever do to make God start loving you. It means you matter to God right now. The Bible says give all of your worries and your cares to God because He cares about what happens to you. He cares about your health. He cares about your house payment, your grades. He cares about your love life. Sometimes we feel insignificant. We feel small, like we don't matter. Guys, a God that big, a big G God, can love that much. We're going to unpack this one a whole lot next week. Last one. God is faithful. There's a big word that the theologians use for that. They call God immutable. Immutable. It means that he is without mutation, without change. How could he change if he's perfect? He's faithful. It means that if God makes a promise, he's going to keep it. You can count on it. It means that God is dependable. It means that he's never going to be moody. He's never going to have a bad day. He's never grouchy. And it means that even when I am unfaithful and I am inconsistent and I am unreliable, God can be counted on. In a world as chaotic as ours, for people as unstable as we are, this is huge. God says, I'm the Lord, I don't change. Bible says he never changes or casts shifting shadows. This one's the coolest. He says, if we're unfaithful, which we are, he remains faithful. Because he can't deny himself and he's immutable. It means God can be counted on. He can be counted on. People may mess you over. God never will. People will break their promises to you. God will not. People prove weak and unreliable. God will not. So, how can you downsize? How can you marginalize a God like this? Seriously. I'm talking about the real God, the big G God, not some puny God that we concoct. The real God revealed to us in and through Jesus. God is one. You don't get to create your own. God is eternal. The only one who just is. He's omnipotent. He can do anything that's doable. He's omniscient. He knows everything that is knowable. He's omnipresent. There is nowhere that God is not. He's here right now. He's transcendent. He's not part of creation. He's the creator. But he's also imminent. He's here holding everything together. He's good, perfectly good. And he's loving, perfectly loving. And he's faithful. He'll always keep his promises. Do you get that? Do you buy it? That is the God revealed in and through Jesus. Not a puny God that men concoct because they need some cosmic pacifier. That's the real God revealed to us in and through Jesus. How cool is that? Listen, guys, when you get it, when you really get it, it'll change the way you think, it'll change the way you act, it'll change the way you live. See, because He's God, we're not. Because He's God, He's in control. And we know that everything's going to work out in the end because He's got it. Because He's God, you're not an accident. Because He's God, you matter. Because he's God, you know that there is a best way to live with God, for God, God's way together. Because he's God, you know he can be trusted. God can be trusted when you understand him and when you don't. God can be trusted when you agree with him and when you don't. Because he's big and smart and good. He's God. We need a real God. We need the big G God, we need his presence, we need his strength every day, we need his character, we need his grace every day. We don't need the toy gods that we make for ourselves. We need Yahweh, the Lord, the King, the Rock, the Holy One. We don't need a puny God that we can morph. We don't need a puny God who serves us. We need the real God. The God who'll drive us to our knees, stand by our side, and stand in our place when we need it. Don't settle for a puny God. Wrap your life around the only one who deserves it. Listen, guys, if you want to dig deeper into any of this stuff, we're going to go back over it on Wednesday night. We're going to have a class every Wednesday night that's going to be co-taught by Ben and I. We're going to follow up on the stuff we talk about on Sunday mornings. Every week during this series, we're going to have a memory verse, card for you. It's going to be on the, on the table down here for the Lord's Supper. You can pick that up, but this one's going to be on God. I'm encouraging you to pick up one of those cards, memorize the verse, chew on it, and pray about it this week. We also encourage you, if you want to follow up, we've got these books in our connections room. They cost about 25 bucks. We found a deal on them, only $5, right? And if you don't have 5 bucks, what Ben said last week, is just take one. That's perfectly fine. He's given our stuff away, right? Perfectly legit. It's worth the read. Each chapter is a chapter that we're going to be going over each week. Chapter one on this is just God. Pick it up, just 12 pages. Read a whole lot more about what the Bible says about God. If you want more information on this stuff, go to our website. is going to keep it updated as to where we are and what we're doing. And if this God is not a part of your life, if he's not the center of your life, then you need to get that started right now, right? We're gonna celebrate the Lord's Supper in just a minute. If Jesus is not your king, I'm gonna sit right down here. Come up and talk to me. Let's talk about making Jesus the king of your life. Or you can go to the back in our prayer room, and we've got an elder back there praying for you right now. Go talk to him about making Jesus the Lord of your life, right? And right now, we get to go to these tables talked about how big God is well you get a glimpse of his heart right here at this table this God this big this eternal died for you he took your place so you could do life with him when you eat that bread it represents his body when he took the form of Jesus and died for us on a cross this cup with a little bit of juice that juice represents his blood that was shed for us this is god's grace this is god's truth that you need him and it's god's grace his covering for you you're invited to this table if you're a jesus follower you're welcome
0: Thank you.
1: sure so that we can actually hear these words and understand what they are. Go ahead and bring those up for me there, John. John, go ahead and bring that up for me. Bud. There we go. No, no, let's do the, actually the, the last slide. Buddy. Right, go ahead. All right, so I want you to be able to see these words right up here, and I want to make sure that we leave with them. Are you guys ready for this? Okay, I believe, say these words with me, I believe the God of the Bible is the only true God. Say it one more time, right? I believe the God of the Bible is the only true God. If we start with that, And we have this as a foundation. You're going to see some amazing things that can happen in your life. If you believe those words, hopefully you've heard God today. You've heard from God, and he can change your life. We want to be able to change this world because of what God has done for us. You guys ready to do that? Yeah, okay. It sounds like you're there. All right, so I want to pray, and I'm going to send you with those words, okay? God, thank you so much for listening to us. Thank you so much for sending Jesus Christ so that we can have this power that we would not be able to have on our own, that we have a family that we would not be able to have on our own. Father, thank you so much for your grace and your affection, your mercy, your love. Father, we want to hang on to those things as we go out into this world to believe that you have come down into this uh, earth and you've created everything, that you've come down to this earth and you've given us all of these wonderful gifts. Guys, as we go out into this world, we want to believe that you are still active and you're still working in each of our lives. We love you. It's in Jesus' holy name that we pray. Amen. We hope to see you again next week.